Living a plant-based lifestyle is a challenge for many vegans, vegetarians, and aspiring flexitarians. It can be a roller coaster ride of enjoyment, ailment, exploration, and isolation. Here at Plant-Based and Healthy, we make it easy to be a part of the plant-based community by having plant-based practitioners, experts, and advocates share their journeys and lessons learned so you can enjoy being plant-based and stay healthy too. And now here's your host, Dr. Travis Cox. Welcome back listeners to another episode of Plant-Based and Healthy. On today's episode, I'm going to pick up where I left off from my last one, uh, because we recently debunked the seven myths of the plant protein problem. And I also reviewed some of the protein heavy hitters of the plant kingdom, including soy. But given the fact that anytime anyone brings up the S word, soy, there is the notoriously bad reputation that comes along with it. Like soy has phytoestrogens that causes man boobs and feminization in men and breast cancer in women. So it's bad. But this could not be farther from the truth. That's why I decided to dedicate an entirely separate episode in order to take a deeper dive into soy and reveal the real scoop on this superfood. First off, let's briefly review what soy is. So soy is a species of bean, aka legume, that is native to East Asia, likely first domesticated around 7000 BC. It's a staple of Asian cuisine and is found in the form of roasted soybeans, edamame, tofu, soy milk, soy sauce, natto, miso, tempeh, and more. But today, soy is a staple of plant-based diets and is the darling of the plant-based nutrition world due to its nutrient powerhouse profile. That's a mouthful. All right, so let's get into that powerhouse profile of soy. What's a, why is it so good? So soy, super high in protein. A half cup of serving of soybeans contains 14 grams of protein, which is considered a complete protein as well because it contains all nine essential amino acids. And if you want to include some extra firm or pressed tofu in a dish, again, a serving is about 15 to 20 grams of protein depending on the brand of tofu you purchase. And not only is soy a complete protein with a high dose of protein per serving, which is kind of a rarity in the plant kingdom, but it is also a high quality protein. And when I say high quality, I mean that it's high quality because it meets the criteria of an amino acid profile that's most suitable for humans and is easily digested. So it's no wonder that's commonly found in infant milk formulas and is a staple in the plant-based diets. Another thing that soy has going for it is that it's relatively high in fiber. Soy in its whole food form contains about eight grams of fiber per serving, a definite win for your gut microbes and your overall health because of those wonderful benefits that fiber provides as a fuel source for the gut microbes that produce those byproducts of short-chain fatty acids and other health benefit products. Soy is also very high in calcium. A lot of people don't know that, but soy is actually very potent in regards to its calcium content. And we're talking about 90 milligrams in a serving of soybeans, which is a definite win for your bone health. Not a bad start for us adults that need approximately 1000 milligrams a day of calcium. And last but not least, isoflavones. Now, 
Isoflavones are a type of plant compound that are almost exclusively produced by beans like soy. Some more specific examples that may have you, you probably may have heard of are genistein and datezine. Now, if you haven't, that's okay. But these isoflavones are in part why soy gets a bad rep, which is about a little counterintuitive once you get to know the details of the scientific benefits of soy, like we're going to review more detail shortly. But let's just go over those isoflavone um, interactions in the body. So isoflavones act as phytoestrogens, or as some folks like to call them, endocrine disruptors. In other words, soy-derived isoflavones can interact with certain types of estrogen receptors in mammals, including us humans. When these types of hormones interactions uh, occur, um, they can create a potential negative effect. And this is first discovered in the scientific community in 1990s when scientists were performing studies on rodents and noticed that these type of phytoestrogen-like effects from soy constituents like these isoflavones increase growth of hormone-sensitive breast cancers. Now, of course, breast cancer is bad, so health experts wanted to err on the side of caution so they strongly advise women against ingesting soy and soy-related foods until more scientific literature and research was able to tease out the real nuances of how this phytoestrogen effect from soy interacts with the risk factors of breast cancers. Again, this original research was on rats, which does not always translate to us humans, and it was also early days for this type of data. And it wasn't until over 10 years later in 2009 when newer research with observational data in humans demonstrated the opposite effect that health experts were recommending. Soy food intake was associated with a decreased risk of death and recurrence in women with breast cancer, especially in estrogen receptor negative types. Again, this is completely opposite of what their initial recommendations were. This was kind of a big deal in the scientific community because it goes against the complete recommendations that were being recommended in the early days of this research. So in fact, soy is causing more benefit for breast cancer prevention and reoccurrence than it is preventing. It's complete opposite. So these findings were not only statistically significant, but clinically significant as well, with different studies showing anywhere from 25 to 60% decreased risk of breast cancer with soy intake. That's huge. So it's no wonder that authorities in the breast cancer realm were updating their position statements alongside the more convincing research that was coming to light on these health benefits of soy intake and breast cancer. And again, these authorities are the big heavyweights of the cancer uh, communities, including the American Cancer Society, American Institute for Cancer Research, and the World Cancer Research Fund, which all now and present day recommend soy intake for breast health in most individuals. Again, a complete 180 from the early days of soy. Clearly, soy needs an image rebrand. Since 2009, soy research has been pouring in with large areas of focus on hormone-related cancers, including breast cancer. Currently, over 2,000 articles on soy are published every year. That's about 50,000 articles to date. And these more recent articles are demonstrating not only the advantages of soy intake for preventing certain types of breast cancer, 
especially when individuals ingest soy regularly in their early life, not just in adult life years, but also other huge health benefits like improving outcomes for type 2 diabetes, decreasing LDL cholesterol, or as like, uh, pardon me, some people like to refer to it as the bad cholesterol and total cholesterol. So it also helps decrease the risk of coronary heart disease and soy actually helps with muscle gains. So that's right. Us soy boys are able to get just as good of gains and strength when supplementing with soy protein powder and weight training when compared to our omnivorous counterparts supplementing with the quote unquote best protein, bro, whey protein. And for more info on these health benefits of soy, check out my show notes for those research links. So it's another misconception regarding soy that soy as a food is feminizing to men as it decreases testosterone. Soy's reputation is yet again tarnished with some obscure case reports that can't be looked at as conclusive. For example, a recent 2021 meta-analysis of over 38 clinical studies looked at the effects of soy isoflavones on hormone levels, including testosterone and estrogen in men. This meta-analysis found that there was no statistically significant association of soy isoflavones on estrogen or testosterone in these men subjects. Another common misconception is that soy causes what's called gynecomastia, aka men growing breasts. And there was a case report published in 2008 that described how a 60-year-old man presented with enlarged and tender breasts. After a physical evaluation by a medical team, it was shown that he had four times the upper limit of his blood serum estrogen. When this individual was interviewed again through his health history, the medical team better understood what was causing his gynecomastia and his hormonal changes. There was This man mentioned that he was regularly drinking over three liters of soy milk per day. That's right, three liters of soy milk per day for months. So just put that in perspective, that's about nine times the average daily intake of soy in a Japanese man. So this particular case support can't be used as a blanket generalization for all individuals ingesting soy products. However, even if it was, Again, three liters of soy milk per day for months on end isn't typically what's happening with the average individual or men. So a concern around gynecomastia or men growing breasts or changes in hormones, including testosterone and estrogen in men ingesting soy, is not a realistic concern. However, (laughs) if you're planning on eating tofu brick with every meal and having, you know, nearly a gallon of soy milk a day, every day, always, then perhaps then you might need to be a little concerned. But if you're not, then this should not be at the forefront of your perception or misconceptions of soy. Now, at this point in the conversation, you're probably asking, which types of soy foods are best? Well, first of all, a lot of soy is actually genetically modified and grown in a way that can be harmful. So you can easily find the non-GMO varieties when buying organic or if you look at the label that strictly say it's non-GMO. 
And beyond that, the best things to look for when in the grocery store trying to get more soy in your diet to get these wonderful health benefits include things like edamame. Edamame, most of those know that as those the full pod that had the beans inside of it. And you get a lot uh, oftentimes in a sushi or Japanese restaurant. That's a great source. Another one being soy nuts. Soy nuts are a dry roasted type of soybean that can be used as a snack uh, or as, as a topper to a salad or a Buddha bowl and has that nice good crunch texture. One of my personal favorites is tofu. I like to get medium firm tofu and make a tofu scramble. I'll include a recipe in the show notes for those that want to dive deeper into that possible, you know, recipe in your repertoire in the kitchen. But things like extra firm tofu or even pressed tofu concentrate the protein of soy. Uh, for those who don't know, tofu is actually um, basically soy milk that's concentrated and, and formulated in a way that makes it into a texture that you can cook with. And the extra firm and pressed tofu types can be marinated and have that kind of mouthfeel similar to some types of meats, but also gives a little more variety of texture to your dishes. Another good source for getting your soy in your diet is tempeh. Now, tempeh is something you can marinate and put into any kind of dish, whether hot or cold, like stir fries or even salads and sandwiches. But tempeh, for those that don't know, is a staple in the traditional Indonesian diet. And tempeh is a fermented soy product that's derived from a whole soybean. So it actually retains its fiber content, as well as its healthy fat profile and micronutrients like iron, in addition to packing a pretty potent punch with its protein source. And last but not least, there's soy foods like miso, which is another uh, fermented variety of soybean made into a paste that works really well for including that you know savory umami flavor in your soups like ramen soup and even salad dressings and Buddha bowl sauces. Uh, I love using these, so it tastes so darn good. Uh, and you can kind of choose your own flavor adventure as you can find it in a yellow uh, paste, a red paste, white paste, and a brown variety, which all have you know subtle differences in their taste profile and some degree their nutrient content. But other than enhancing food flavors, miso is full of nourishing nutrients like vitamin K, manganese, zinc, and copper. Uh, and there's a ton of research out there on miso and its health benefits that are unique um, to miso as a soy food. Uh, and they include things like showing how miso can help reduce risks of liver and breast cancer. It's a very potent antioxidant uh, for quenching those free radicals. It reduces LDL cholesterol, helps with risk factors for cardiovascular disease, and may even boost brain health as miso is a probiotic. Uh, you can even look at things like natto. That's a little bit more of an acquired taste, but definitely has an umami flavor and has some other health benefits, which I'll uh, add a link into the show notes to, if you want to dive down that rabbit hole. And things like soy crumbles, which is kind of like a ground beef-like texture, which you can add into any of those dishes that you would normally use uh, to replace ground beef with, like chili, meat sauce, tacos, etc. Uh, and one that I just came uh, aware of more recently is something called soy curls. Uh, they have kind of that texture and mouthfeel of like pork rinds, and of course, totally derived from from soybeans. Um, and basically, it's it's like a almost like a deep fried crunchy uh, chip almost of soy. 
And it's a good way to uh, get some more crunchy texture flavor into your meals or just as a quick snack. And again, it's minimally processed. So it's got essentially just soy water and uh, some flavor to it. So check those out. Uh, if you're struggling to get soy in your diet, you can always go to soy milk. Uh, I particularly like unsweetened soy milk to minimize the free sugar content, but maximize the benefits of the calcium, the protein, and those other isoflavones to get those wonderful health benefits for your heart, uh, for your metabolism, and of course, for us bros that want our muscle gains, that too. All right, that's it for today's episode about soy and what the real scoop is. And if you want to know more, I include a bunch of links for resources on soy and health benefits in the show notes. And as always, if you have any questions, insights, or other thoughts, go to my website at pbnhealthy.com and send me a quick email. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. So you've heard the struggles, you've heard the successes, and this episode is done. But there's still so much more to come and so much more to learn. Head on over to pbandhealthy.com and sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive free plant-based eating health tips and strategies. You can also submit a question for Dr. Travis Cox to answer in a future episode. Go online to pbandhealthy.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Plant-Based and Healthy.